Okay, right. <clears throat> um, you're gonna, I'm going to pray with you and for you um, right at the beginning of, of the sermon. Um, I'm going to pray again uh, at the end, but um, God's uh, spoken to me very clearly, and I did this this morning, and, and I, I've actually asked to do all three meetings this Sunday because I felt it was, it was important uh, that the whole church gets the same message and actually the same anointing that God is, wants to release on us. Um, and uh, just to give you a context for that, it's uh, ten years ago uh, this week um, uh, when Kim and I were in Bethel, we, were, we went there for three months. The leadership team of Eastgate uh, North Kent Community Church, as it was then, um, heard from God that uh, to send Kim and I to Bethel for three months um, and basically to get, get, all the, get all the goodies we could get and then come back and actually share them out back here in the UK and in Europe. Um, and uh, so 10 years ago this week, uh, Kim had an encounter with an angel called Gold. Um, and uh, we can say that sort of, oh yeah, it, it, this it was a dramatic moment uh, in our lives and uh, particularly her life, but actually for us as a church. Um, and when this angel came and, and encountered Kim, and um, and his name's Gold, and he carries a sword. And um, he clearly communicated, and, and God communicated through, and then actually through a prophecy that we received on the 6th of May, which is tomorrow, 10 years tomorrow, um, about God wanting us to, to create beachheads for freedom, um, like the D-Day beaches. And... Uh, the, the names of the, the, the British D-Day beaches were gold and sword. Um, and the idea uh, behind that is actually that the beaches were won so that the resources for the liberation of a continent could, could flow through those, those beachheads. That's the point of, the, the, of, of that. And so we knew that, that God had met, uh, met with us and, and Kim and I were actually um, also commissioned in the context of Bethel um, in a mission of, of releasing people for a worldwide harvest um, and that mission that idea if you like uh, started with uh, a message coming back uh, or coming from heaven with a man who was raised from the dead um, in 1991 and told to find this church in Northern California which was Bethel uh, which God was going to use to actually release people into uh, a worldwide harvest <coughs> um, so, and I know that Kim and I, uh, we, you know, we wouldn't want to escape it. We can't escape it, what God actually did with us in that context. But right now, uh, he wants you to receive some of the anointing, that anointing that actually he released on us. Um, so I'd like you to stand. Now, you have the Holy Spirit inside you. That's, that's not a question. If you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit inside you. He's your river, but actually... As well as the river flowing through us, there comes times when, when God rests upon us in terms of an anointing. And remember Jesus said that the Holy Spirit has anointed me, and it, but anointing is, is always linked to a purpose. So we have the Holy Spirit for life, but actually anointing comes for a specific purpose. And the purpose of this is that, that God wants to release us <clears throat> to be a place that creates freedom and will steward the resources for the liberation, spiritual liberation of a continent. Okay, so I want you to start to receive what God is pouring out right now. Whoa! So Father, I release the fire of heaven on everyone in this place right now. Father, let them encounter you. I want you to keep receiving while I just talk about other prophetic direction that, that, that has got us to this place. And in 2004, uh, we received two very specific prophecies, one of which was that we were to have a Joseph anointing. Um, Joseph of the sort of amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat man, uh, 
whereby we would be able to uh, handle the resources that would feed nations. Eastgate was to become this resource storehouse, so to speak, which would be able to feed the nations. And um, now that's a, that's a nice prophecy to get, um, but Joseph, uh, en route to that becoming fulfilled, actually had to, uh, to go through quite a process, a process of rejection, not just once uh, from, with his brothers, but then again with Potiphar's household. Uh, then he was tucked away in prison, in obscurity. But what he kept burning all the time was, was his gifting and his anointing. Uh, he never turned it off. He never turned it off. Whoa! And uh, what God wants to give you is stuff that, that you would keep burning. Despite your circumstances, that the callings and the gifts of God are irrevocable and they're not dependent upon circumstances. So we are, we are in the process of making sure we are good at stewarding resources and then giving them away. The other specific prophecy we received in 2004 that God was going to pace us to the east gate to the city. And so we embarked upon a journey which eventually ended up nine years later with, with the opening of Eastgate in 2013. Again, a journey of perseverance and a, a journey of faithfulness of God, but also a group of people who, between them, worked tirelessly to get this place and actually, out of their own pockets, gave one and a half million pounds to make sure it became a reality. And as you can see, the city is being built around us. It wasn't a city in 2004. There was no city here. It still wasn't a city in 2013 when we moved into it. It was designated a city three months after we opened Eastgate. God told us in advance, ten years before there was a city here, that he will place us at the Eastgate. And you literally do sit at the Eastgate to this newer city in the United Kingdom right here. This is the east end of... This is the east gate into that city. Shura bastara. Whoa! In 2010, a man called James Maloney was amongst us and he basically prophesied and said to us that we had a three to four year window of opportunity to create a portal of heaven on earth. And that was an opportunity, not an inevitability. So once again, we took that and we worked with it. And what's a portal of heaven on earth look like? That's one of the things I'm trying to explain to you but um, where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom so a beachhead for freedom will be a portal of heaven on earth and uh, three and a half years into that window of opportunity we opened Eastgate and I believe that was a key moment for us we've God's shown us to do things he's shown us to start our Supernatural school, we now call it a school of spiritual life. And we know it has heaven's touch on it because he told us from heaven to do it as one of the outworkings of this calling that he has placed upon us, which is why the day school is, is such a powerful tool for equipping and releasing and discipling people. So Father, I keep praying that the fire of heaven will rest upon everyone in this place. I want you to to start to rise up into destiny. Rise up together. This is not an individual. This is a corporate anointing that is being released right now. So, Father, keep coming upon us, we pray. Father, let this be a holy moment of anointing. Over the course of that time as well, we've found ourselves working with other churches from more than ten nations now. Good in the Faroe Islands, Holland, South Africa, France, Scotland, 
Bulgaria, Poland, Belgium, Sweden, Crete, USA. And next weekend, one of our teams will be with a Tamil church, uh, which is a Sri Lankan church, and um, blessing them. And many of the people in that church had people affected by, you know, killed in the bombings in, in Sri Lanka on Easter Day. In actual fact, they had a visiting speaker in that church on that Sunday, on Easter Sunday, who was a pastor of one of the churches which was bombed. And uh, the guy who leads that church is actually part of our day school. And uh, so I just want to think with privilege of working with a group of people who, some of whom have made the ultimate sacrifice in their Christianity. But I, I release the beachhead anointing upon these people right now. We choose to walk into this destiny that you've placed in front of us. We've worked hard. We've established heaven in health care. It's affecting this nation and other nations. There was the worship school. I had the privilege of being there yesterday and just seeing other people coming along. Keep receiving. This is all part of it. I was chatting to a young man, a young man who I know. I've known him since, uh, since he was about 10 or 11 years old. He now lives in Poland. He's part of a church there, um, which we do have connections with. And uh, he fl- flies in for the worship school. I said, what time do you set off in the morning? He said, four o'clock in the morning. I said, do you fly home the same day? He said, yeah, I fly home. I said, and he says, I get home at two o'clock in the morning. And he said, it, it, it will be worth it just to come for the worship for an hour. He comes and he receives. And I thought, wow, that is an example for me of what it looks like to be a beachhead for freedom where people will come. It's a Joseph anointing where somebody would come and get their resources and take it back to another nation. We have a, we have a healing center which is now sitting there alongside the National Health Service. So ten years on, I, I've, I was talking to God probably about a month or so ago about all this and just overwhelmed really by what he's done and what he is doing and and I had this sense of God saying, well done. And I want you to get hold of that as a, as a church. God's saying, well done to us. Well done to Eastgate for what you've done. The beachhead has been established. But now it's time for the next phase. It's time for expansion right now. It's time to break out from the beachhead. To establish other beachheads. And get ready, because if we're part of this worldwide harvest, then there's going to be a lot of people who will need to, to be made disciples. That the we were told to go into all the world and make disciples. And um, between the, I want you to keep, keep receiving, Father. I pray for the fire. Wow, fire! Breathe upon everybody in this room right now. Between the two morning meetings. This morning, when I was preaching this stuff, I, between those two meetings, I got a message, a WhatsApp message from a friend of mine called Wouter, who's in Holland. And uh, I said, you know, a number of us will be in Holland next week. And this is what he said. Today in the Netherlands, we celebrate the day of deliverance and the end of World War II because people were willing to fight for our freedom. This is what he said. So grateful for your mandate to create beachheads for freedom and the dawn of a new day for Europe. I think that's a prophetic word. This is a message that came through to me this morning. Great to know you. So great. So grateful for your mandate to create beachheads for freedom and the dawn of a new day for Europe. I want you to receive the well done of God and get ready for entering into what is this new day. I want you to feel the weight of a prophetic purpose resting upon us as a group of people. We're not the only ones, but we have a significant part to play.
This is our job to create heaven on earth. That's us singing that song. I want to tell you one more testimony. 2017, a man came to our healing school. And um, his story was that his, his wife had suffered with cancer. <coughs> and they'd come to the, the healing center at Eastgate. They, they live about two hours away. And uh, so they've been down to Eastgate and interacted with us before. But um, unfortunately, the, the lady was not healed and she, she died of cancer. And she died a short time before our healing school and I thought it was a particularly brave choice for a man to come to our healing school when that had just happened to him and during that healing school we actually had an extraordinary time in in worship on the Friday where God broke in 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 a, a way that was just unusual and the power and the wind of God was released in this room and 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 we, we learned how to steward that, and as we did that, then uh, healing started to just break out right across the room. Miracles happened just spontaneously in this room that you're in right now. <clears throat> and after the conference, I got feedback um, from somebody I know quite well who knows this gentleman who was visiting, and um, and he was talking to her and said, you should have been there at Eastgate that day when the, the worship was something I'd never experienced before just the touch of heaven in that place and then he said this which moved my heart probably as much as any testimony I've heard for a long time he said you know if I could pray for my wife to be raised from the dead and guaranteed that it would happen I wouldn't do it because I now know what heaven is like and I would never choose to pull her away from that reality. That's a man who came here in the middle of a, what, probably the toughest circumstance of life, experienced heaven and said, you know, that's, that's worth more than anything. That is our job to create heaven on earth, to, that we'll actually see miracles released, but also when there's actually death and stuff like that actually we know that there is an eternal reality that heaven is in eternity it's not just we're trying to get heaven on earth it's something we will joy, enjoy for all eternity so father i release that reality into our lives right now your christianity is not just about coming to meetings doing your best you're here to change the world You're here to make disciples. That's the ongoing responsibility we have as every Christian. This isn't the job for, for, you know, just leaders. Every one of us gets to be part of this extraordinary mission that God has released on planet Earth. Okay, if you want to take your seats. God will keep moving on you and there will be more to come, okay? So... So, Eastgate has a 40-year vision to be a a regional catalyst to help create heaven on earth. And um, that's our desire. And I'm just interested in the song, you know, we won't stop singing until we see heaven on earth. And we've got a massive mission together. And we've arrived at, I believe, an absolutely key point. Uh, in our progress and I, I know God's been showing this to me really clearly not just me but others and there are circumstances going around and people being stirred and there's just that there's there's it's there is a new day um, and we're entering into it and I don't say this very often I know we, we talk about transitions and you know we're always but actually there's there is I think God's showed me really clearly that, that that we completed a part of our, our mission we've done 10 years and, and well done. And I want you to celebrate that well done. And it doesn't matter whether you've been here for, you know, all those ten years or one day. Actually, the, the, the workers of God, actually, you know, there's a parable about that. It doesn't matter when you started, you get the same reward. Yeah? 
It's not, oh, I, I've been here for 10 years. You only just turned up. No, actually, we're all pulled into this because actually this isn't finished. This is just, this is just was first phase. And um, there's a whole lot more to do. And we need to be ready to become a massive resource for changing the world. <clears throat> there's lots of developments going on here at the moment at Eastgate. There's all sorts of things that are happening. Just the development of Eastgate music I'm very excited by. Love being at the worship school last yesterday. There's the media that's going on, all the development of media. There's training, there's our interaction with Living Fire, Heaven in Healthcare. There's opportunities in this garden cities we see around us. There's the, keep praying for the education for the school to be released there. And uh, just so much. And then, you know, affecting nations. Um, so next weekend, you know, uh, there'll be, Paul Bungie will be up in the Faroes and nine days time, eight days time, Normally's going to be heading back there. We'll be sending her back to, the, to her, her islands. Uh, we're certainly going to miss you, but you're going to go and carry heaven there, aren't you? I'll be up there in June to see you, so I'll see how we're see how doing, so it's going to be fun. There's stuff going on in, in, in South Africa. We've got all sorts of things going on. Um, and I'm just excited. Uh, Mine's a bit blown. Um, and uh, <clears throat> so I wanted to sort of ask you a question. Because the ongoing um, mandate, if you like, is a mandate from heaven that doesn't change. It's to go into the world, all the world, and make disciples. So how you make disciples, and you know, is, is, there, are, there are different ways of doing it. Um, and God has shown us way. But actually that's the ongoing job. Uh, we make disciples, and one day Jesus will decide that his bride's ready and he will come back, and the job will be done. But until that moment, we, we keep on making disciples. Now, what the word disciple means, it means to be somebody who is taught and trained. So, so number one, are you a disciple? Yeah. I think you should, you know, if you're not, then we can help you understand that. And are you ready to make disciples, or do you think that's somebody else's responsibility? So I want you to, let's have a look at Mark chapter 16. And um, I love this, this passage of scripture. Verse 14 really amuses me. Um, uh, and then you get into the rest of it. Uh, so this is Jesus talking to his disciples. There's the 11. And this is after his, he was raised from the dead. And later Jesus appeared to the 11 as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith. And their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Now that's not that's not the most sort of positive of of starts. Um, he's a, uh, <laughs> so I think it looks if, if you had these guys in your class, you'd probably be taking them back to some basics, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think we need another three years on this job. Come, let's let's back to back to first class. And uh, Jesus doesn't look at it that way. He says, "Okay, guys, okay, so off you go into all the world and make disciples." And I, I thought, hey, does that not amuse you? Or bemuse you? I just think, you think, well, what, what, the, really? What I want you to get out of that is, is you know, it, it's very difficult to disqualify yourself from this job. <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy to get out of it, you know. It, it, uh, <laughs> it really is. You think, what do I have to do to disqualify myself from from this job of making disciples? Um, Jesus doesn't need you to be perfect before he wants to use you to change the world. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. I'm still I'm getting my brain around the all creation bit, but I'm not going to go there tonight. Otherwise, it would be a bit of a distraction. Now, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Verse 17, and these signs will accompany those who believe. So who is that referring to? Those who believe. Read this. Who's it referring to? It's referring to those people who've just started believing, I think. It's not, it's not referring to the, to, the, to the 11. It's referring to those who believe. It's what it says. Those who believe will be saved. So, what, what, <laughs> this, is, this is what discipleship looks like for somebody who's just newly born again. This is the expectation, Okay. Whoever believes in this baptism will say, These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. Not quite sure about that one, but 
And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. That's what, that gives you a framework for what discipleship looks like. That seems quite radical. So, what was, <laughs> number one, are you doing that stuff? <laughs> and second, can you help other people do it? What have you got, or rather who you've got that enables you to do that? The Holy Spirit's the answer. Who do new believers get immediately in their lives? The Holy Spirit. How important is, is it for them not just to, 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 to receive Jesus as Savior, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit? That was the apostolic mandate that the apostle would make sure that no believer was, was without being completely filled and baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's what enables this stuff. You can't do this without the Holy Spirit. But with the Holy Spirit, you can. Okay. Um, after the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. Is that not amazing? So, so this is normal Christianity. This is, this is discipleship class 101. Yeah, you, immediately, how, how, how experienced you have to be as a Christian to cast out a demon? You don't. You just need the Holy Spirit and use the authority in the name of Jesus and they go. So similar for sick uh, healing what do you need same holy spirit authority to do it get on with it yeah this is this, this is the stuff this, this, so so <coughs> in acts chapter 8 you find the story of, of uh, when the the, um, the converts the disciples at that stage not the, all the new all the believers um, when they were scattered around because uh, there was a persecution going on in Jerusalem, they, they were scattered around you know, the, the whole area. And it says that they, they, they preached wherever they went. And one guy called Philip um, went down to, to Samaria and basically he preached there. And there were signs and wonders, shrieks, all sorts of things happened, uh, demons coming out, miracles happening. And it says that joy came to that whole city. So my question is, how many people does it t- take to change a city? One, with the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah? <clears throat> and it's interesting that, that that happens and then the, the apostles go down to make sure they've all received the Holy Spirit. Apostles go back to Jerusalem. Philip goes off to the desert road and you're left with a bunch of people filled with the Holy Spirit and you don't know much else about them apart from what they've been brought up on is, 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 is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, signs and wonders, miracles, healing, demons going out. It sounds like Mark 16. That was that. You say, hey, that's it. You're 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 up. You're equipped. We're going now. I think it's fascinating. You know, could you say, well, who's leading us? Well, the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. <laughs> their their confidence in the Holy Spirit is is quite extraordinary. So I would suggest to you that looks like releasing heaven on earth. So I thought I'd sort of pose a question for you, just to just to think about. Um, as a disciple yourself, what areas are you seeking to grow in in your Christian walk? What will your Christian life look like in 10 years' time? If you're a disciple, you're somebody who's been taught and trained, what, what advances do you expect to make over the next 10 years? Well, I, I would suggest to you that you'll have to start to use your imagination and start to dream and then expect God to do more than you'd ask or imagine. He wants to surprise you by how much he's going to use you. I'd be pretty disappointed if we were just doing the same old stuff in 10 years' time. Life's exciting, yeah? I love Christianity, but it needs to progress, otherwise it becomes religion. And I really don't like religion. So, now what I want you to imagine then is actually in the next 10 years, say that you are involved, you have the privilege of being involved in the discipleship of, say, 50 people. that be all right? Not necessarily doing it one-to-one, but actually, the, you know, the 50 people you have definitely been involved in their, them becoming world changers for Jesus. Does that sound good? And bearing in mind there's probably, 
eight, nine hundred of us in, in around the Eastgate environment, plus more actually if you put all the students and stuff together. How many disciples are we making? I, I've just worked out. We're probably making around about, at the moment, about a thousand disciples in, in Eastgate. Something like that. At this moment in time. From naught to 80s. I'm not quite sure we've got anybody in their 90s yet, but actually, so. Um, what would it be like if we were actually discipling 5,000 people? What would we need? Ah, well, quite a lot of resources. <laughs> and I will I'll ask you a question. What key things would you teach and train other people in their discipleship? In order for them to release heaven on earth, what key things would you want to know how to pass on? Are you confident right now that you could help other people release heaven on earth? Yep. Yes, no, yes, no, not quite sure. Most of you can already, but I'm just saying, is actually, so in fact, because I want to pick on one that I'm going to dwell on. Um, and so I'm going to read a, a passage of scripture out. Um, and we're not bringing it up yet, but um, and some of you might be familiar with it, and some of you might have heard it this morning if you were here. But it was, and this is an interesting thing because this is where God says, um, "Test me." And now, God says, I'm, "I'm so good at this, you can test me out. I'll work every time." Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. How do you fancy that? That sound good? Okay. See if I will not pour out, throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Yours will be a delightful land. And the nations will call you, the nations will come to you. So, who knows what passage of scripture that comes from? It's Malachi chapter 3. So if we bring Malachi 3 up. So the context of this is quite interesting. So God's saying, right, test me out. <clears throat> now this is it. Malachi chapter 3. And that's from verse 6. It says, I the Lord do not change. So you the descendants of Jacob are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. <clears throat> But you ask, how are we to return? So actually, these are people who want, you know, basically not doing well in their relationship with God, wandered off, and God says, come back. Yeah? He says, you come back, and I'll return to you. So there, there's, how, how quickly do you need, how quickly will God make the reconnection with you when, if you turn? It's immediately, okay? But they said, well, okay, well, okay, what does that look like? What does it look like to return? What does it mean? What does that, what does that look like? You know? And this is what God says. Um, okay, uh, will a mere miracle rob God, yet you rob me? Now, how's that an idea for robbing God? That's quite strong language, really. Um, <clears throat> but you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Then he says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. So, I think you want the second half of that? Well... The first part is the bit that qualifies you for the second part. You cannot escape, and this is not just in this passage of Scripture, but throughout the Bible, the the correlation of how we handle money and the blessing of God. It's there. I'm going to show you some passages in the New New Testament as well. But but this is is profound. I think most of us... Do I want the floodgates of heaven to open? Yes. Okay. God said, okay. I'm, I'm happy to do that. Test me in this. What's the test? Will you bring the whole tithe into the storehouse? That there may be food in my house. Now, this is, this is really important. What's his house? His house is where you get fed. It's, it, it, basically, it's your spiritual feeding place. It's your, your local church. So, so tithing actually is something that actually is meant to go as part of your church membership to where you are fed. It's, it's quite straightforward there. Uh, um, now, <clears throat> what I want to tell you 
and I'm going to go beyond just actually uh, giving tithes. I want to talk to you about handling money because I think the way that we handle money is one of the key principles of discipleship. And if we don't help other people know that in their discipleship, we will stop them short of being able to release heaven on earth. Yeah? But when we start to talk about it as British people, they go, don't talk about money. <laughs> There's a cult- we, do- we have to face up to the cultural reality that, oh, oh goodness me, we're going to talk about money. Uh, is he going to ask us to give again? Oh, I don't know. Please don't do that. Oh. I'm just being honest with you. It's one of those touchy feet. Oh, I'm going to do it again. Jesus wasn't frightened at looking at the offering basket. He got close enough to it to see, oh, right, yep, okay. Oh, and that, look, my word, did you see what that widow just put in there? He, he was up close enough to see how much was going in. Now, what's he after? Is he after your money or something else? After your heart, because actually it talks about, actually, it's, it's a heart issue. Um, and so I want to take you through some stuff. And um, I'm just going to throw out some, I've not got enough time to, to read through all these scriptures and go through them in length and at depth. And I will actually, what I think I will do is I'll put together this and send it out in an email as a, as a, as a sort of package for you to actually tell you got, if you want to do some study on this. But you need to get hold of this stuff. Um, because in Matthew chapter 6, uh, uh, Jesus talks about uh, don't store up treasures on earth but store it up in heaven and he talks about you can't serve two masters um, he says you will hate, either hate the one and, and love the other or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other you cannot serve both God and money in the New Living Translation it says you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money it's the, it's, money is an entity that has the power to control you yeah and you have to realize, and, and there is not one of us on planet Earth who has, doesn't have to deal with the issue of money in whatever form it is. Everybody's got some way they exchange finances. Yeah? You know, we've got coins and this and we've got online, but actually it's, it's, it's true for everybody. It's a, it's a universal issue. And it doesn't matter whether you've got a lot or a little, you can actually find yourself devoted to it. And what the Bible, then Jesus goes on when he says that, is his next, bit, next verse is, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, do not worry about provision. The, the prime way that, that you, well, people uh, serve money and worship money is by worrying about it. I don't know. Not very few of us get a ten pound note out and bow down before it. But how much of your time and attention is given to it? And Jesus actually, so the first thing you need to do in handling your money is do you trust God? And Elsewhere, but Jesus says, actually, if you want to release true riches on earth, then you need to be faithful with worldly wealth. Seek first his kingdom. Okay, so first thing is have faith in God, trust God. And Luke 16 talks about whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And it says this, so if you've been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, so if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And again, in that, in that context, Luke 16 says, you can't serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. Okay. But what I want to tell you is, 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 is that the way that you use your finances is one of the keys to the releasing of heaven on earth. You just can't escape it. Okay, you can try to, but it's, it's not possible. What have we got that can guard our hearts and minds so we don't worry? What do we have available to us? In Philippians 4, it talks about a peace of God that passes all understanding. It will guard your hearts and your mind. Your peace is, 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 is your guardian against worry. Yeah? But in the context of that, of that, that thing, it, it's actually, it talks about actually... Um, <clears throat> Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. It's okay to put requests before God. Be honest with him. Now, I felt God say to me quite clearly, um, preparing for this, that to talk to people who are struggling with any form of debt, 
All right? That, 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 that there are ways forward for you, and um, it's not just about giving. Um, but the first thing you need to do is, 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 is start to trust God as provider and also throw off any sense of shame because there's often shame connected to debt. Yeah? And I want you to not feel ashamed if there's a debt issue in your life. Well, I want us to face up to the reality of it, but then I want you to, to actually get throwing off any shame, starting to trust God. You then present your request to him. Is okay, this is what I want. This is what I need. Because God is our provider. And if he, wants you to, he wants you to know him as provider. And he, he's not surprised by your situation. He knows it. But actually, so, so don't be frightened of presenting your request to him. And, and it says that, And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That is the, that is the first antidote to worrying about money. Okay? Start to trust God. And then it says, think about the good stuff. Okay. So, we can bring up the uh, scripture on 2 Corinthians chapter 9, please. Elaine? There's some instructions here that Paul gave, was giving to the Corinthian church. And the context was that that, uh, throughout the Mediterranean basin, there was... uh, they were collecting money, for, particularly because there was a famine in, in, in Jerusalem, so that actually the churches were pooling together to try and deal with, with the issue of famine, uh, back particularly in, in Jerusalem and, and, and around there. Um, and uh, so this is Paul's instruction. He says, I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. So they've already promised that they're going to give a gift, okay? Um, now, what I want you to do is look about the intentionality and the planning that goes into this. Because I think sometimes we say, hey, we're going to take an offering. And, oh, sorry, I'm caught out. I've, oh, shame. No money. No checkbook, no cash. <laughs> Oops, pass me by. I want you to think, um, see, planning is an important part of actually how you handle your finances. Yeah? Now, you need to plan with wisdom, and I believe in budgeting. Um, also believe if you're in debt, there is help for you, and wise counsel, there's things like uh, Christians Against Poverty, CAP, and perhaps in here at the back, there's actually run courses on that. And, you know, there is hope, and, and, and Christians Against Poverty is one of the, the most successful charities and, and, and organizations with addressing poverty in this nation. It's amazing. It, it is held up as a standard of great practice. Isn't it, and isn't it fantastic? We've got a, you know, Christians Against Poverty. Brilliant. Like the name. does what it says on the tin. <laughs> so one thing is, is um, there is wisdom and there is planning that goes into how we actually uh, handle finances. So uh, finish the arrangements for the generous gift you have. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So do you want to reap generously? So what do you have to do? Sow generously. <laughs> it's not tricky. And Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Now, this is, this is a key point right now, because some of you are actually going, nah, give in again. Or, <laughs> and it says, do not give reluctantly or under compulsion. If you're reluctant about it and you're miserable about it, don't give. Just be as radical as that. How's that going to help church finances? I'm not, I trust God for church finances. We've got massive budget this year. We need to trust God. It's crazy what we're doing. I'll come on to that in a minute. But <laughs> it is. It's crazy. It's always crazy. People say to me, do you live by faith? Yeah, every week. Why? Our budget is completely dependent upon voluntary giving. Every week, week in, week out, month in, month out, it just is. So, done it for more than 20 odd years. <laughs> I trust God. Um, so, the, what I want you to do is, so when I'm talking about this, I'm trying to address the issue of how you're going to release heaven on earth. And I'm not trying to extract money from you. you with me? I'm, this is the third point. I'm trying to help you, equip you, so that we can disciple nations. Yeah, I want to get hold of that because there's this. Oh, because people can switch off at this moment. Like, oh goodness, <gasps> oh yeah, <laughs> we've got to do it. I've got to give again. I'm going to be one of those blooming offerings, and oh, the bucket. Oh goodness. Oh. If that's for you, then don't do it. Just get your attitude sorted out before you get there, because God loves a, a what? A cheerful giver. 
you can't do it cheerfully, then sort your cheerfulness out and then give. Get your joyometer up and whatever it is. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed. Ooh. And will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Are you ready for enlargement? Are you ready for expansion? Are you ready for an increase of the store? This is where we're going. Because if we're going to do what I think God's put in front of us, we're going to need masses of resources. We're going to increase this, we've got to increase this storehouse. You will be enriched in every way. Woo! You fancy that? Every way. You'll be, now, see, this is not just talking about money. You're talking about right across the board of life. You will be enriched. Now, what I want to suggest right now is, is, is don't get trapped in the desire to become rich. What you need to desire to be is generous. Okay? And desire more that you can be even more generous. I was having a conversation with somebody this morning, actually. I said, is it more difficult to tithe? Now, listen to this. Is it more difficult to to give a tithe of £10 or £50,000? Just examine that in a moment. Would you find it easier to give a tithe of £10 or a tithe of £50,000? Your income's £10 or your income's £50,000? Which, which would you find more difficult to tithe? Which ones? I suggest most of us would find it more difficult on the 50000 Blimey, that's a lot of money to give away. Giving £1, not so tricky. Giving £5,000? More of a... Te- I, I'm on, let's be honest. I think I'm honest. <laughs> you think, oh, well, it's easy for those rich people. Actually, sometimes they find it more difficult. They shouldn't. Because if you think what you've got left, £45,000 is a heck of a lot more than £9. Now, this comes in, <laughs> This will become into a really important principle. So if we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 now. Okay, and I've been meditating upon these, these few verses this week. So it's now finish the work so the eager willingness to do it may be matched by the, your completion of it according to your means. Now this is the gift that they're given, going to give. If the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Now, that sounds a bit confusing. I'm going to read it out in, a, um, <coughs> in another version. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Okay, so what you give in proportion to what you have. That's why tithing is easy. Tithing for all of us are not very good at maths. Actually, I'm quite good at maths. So it doesn't bother me. But actually, all you need to do is knock a naught off and you've got it. If tithing was was six and a half percent, we'd all be getting our calculators out and, 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 and the bucket would pass before you got a chance. You know, you'd have every reason. Just make, no, ten percent's easy. Just knock a naught off, and got it sorted. Uh, okay, so. Give in proportion, now I said, whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give in call, now, this is what, give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Now, I've been thinking about this this, this week in particular, because so, when you come to giving, what you need to consider is what you've got, not what you haven't got. Okay? So if you start to look at what you haven't got, if you haven't got a tithe of what you haven't got, it's not a lot. Or an offering, if you think, well, I said, I haven't got much. Or you look at what you have got, wow, I'll give a proportion of that. See, if you think you haven't got, then actually you're not going to give. It's it's a a, a complete attitude issue. Have you got, so, are you rich? You are, in world terms. There isn't one of us in this place that's not rich. Now, you might be in debt, but, but actually... You say, well, particularly this is interesting. If you're in debt, you can oh, look at what I haven't got. Actually, if you do look at what you've got, that's where faith starts. Yeah? It, it's just, in Luke 18, it, it says this. Consider carefully how you listen. There's a, interact with He who has more, to him more will be given. He who has not, even what he has, 
will be taken from you. There's a whole consideration. Within the Bible, it's really important you consider you've got something. So, how much money do you start with? Every month. That's where you start. How much have I got rather than how much have I spent and how much or not have I got left over? So I've always, ever since basically became a Christian, I do budget my money. Kim and I budget. We've got a household budget. We budget on 90% of what we've got. Why? Because of 10% I make sure I give away to God. Why? Because I love him. It's a heart issue. I trust him. And it's beautiful. The fun starts with the 90% of how much of that do I give away. And I was just trying to work out. Kim and I give regularly to about, each month, to about five or six charities. You probably don't, but there's all sorts of ways outside of Eastgate. But my tithe comes to Eastgate. I also actually invest in the ongoing mission of Eastgate, particularly when we had the building fund. Um, it was... Important. Over the, you know, over the course of basically the best part of 20 years, the congregation here gave two million pounds to enable Eastgate and the Annex to be built. Amazing. In addition to tithes. That wasn't the tithe, that was in addition to the tithe. I'm just excited I was part of that journey. And many of you were on it. it it's phenomenal. It's fun. Wow. And uh, I used to love it. I still do. And, uh, and, I don't know, how many years ago did we set up the pledges in addition to the thing? Probably more than 10 years or so, was it? More than 10 years ago that we set up the pledges. And uh, when, when we got Eastgate, um, we'd actually, you know, we, we're here and we got a mortgage. Actually, we, we've said to people who pledged up until that time, they give regularly in addition to, to their tyres. Um, do you want to stop? You can stop now because we've got the building or you can help keep going. I thought, I'm just keeping going. It's fine. Why should I trust God any less? Um, so, I've got four principles, okay, that I think I've, I've found out. And I've talked about trust God, ask God for wisdom, make wise choices that are not based on fear. Okay, heaven's wisdom is not contaminated by fear. Caution is not wisdom. Well, it's not heaven wisdom, okay? Generosity, and the other one is being content. Are you content? And Paul talks about being content with little or, or much. So, now, so one thing I just want to talk about. See, up until, well, we've had the building fund running for the best part of 20 years, which has enabled us to help create a portal of heaven on earth. Um, but moving forward, we realised actually, in order for this massive expansion we go, it's actually we, we're going to need Ecolot. We're, we're investing in all sorts of things. There'll be new premises. There's what we're doing: music, media, discipling nations. Um, we thought it was too, it's now too narrow to have a, just a building fund. Actually, we're on a massive expansion. So we've, we've now got we've uh, substituted, if you like, we're changing the building fund. We're calling it the Eastgate Growth Fund. So we now have the Eastgate Growth Fund. And what we're going to ask every, all members of the Eastgate, Eastgate is to be contributing to the Eastgate Growth Fund in addition to tithe, so that we can actually do all this work that's ahead of us. Yeah? I'm really excited by this. I mean, I tell you, I'm, I'm super excited because I'm super excited by the building project. But, you know, this is an even bigger project. We have, we've got a tool here, but we're going to disciple nations, we're going to change nations, we're going to need to really go out there. <laughs> and I think it's fair to say that we've set a very interesting budget this year, um, because we thought, you know what, we're going to go for this. <laughs> There's the dreams, and, and, and um, <laughs> I just get super excited by this, I just love seeing what God does. And... Um, I hope you're super excited. You get an idea? Because what I'm trying to say is we are on an amazing mission and the way that we use our money is part of it and it's super exciting to do it. We've got some extraordinary stories going on. I'll just tell you, I just love the stories that are going on. Some of you are telling me stories. Something. Just people coming and pummeling me with stories. I love the stories of God's provision and stuff. But also I love the stories of sacrifice because you, know, you, don't always, you don't give to get back, do you? But it's amazing what God will give back to you. Um, so... I'm thinking that we need to, I'm just throwing this out there, in addition to our 
tithe income, normal tithe income, if we're really going to move forward, we probably need to get about another £200,000 a year to really push us out there, push it on. How are we going to get that? It's not difficult. There's a lot of us. I'm going to dare you to start to plan to give and trust God. And I want you to, I want you to start to dare to plan to give in the thousands rather than the hundreds. Not compelling you. And if you're in the tens, then go for hundreds. Just start to step it up. Would you be happy to do that? Now, what I also suggest to you is ask God to provide for you to give. And watch that happen. I think a few months back I was telling people, I remember going on this journey. So when I first started earning £30 a week, I was giving £3. Yeah? And then actually I, I worked my way through and then I, one stage, got, Kim and I actually got, in addition to our tithes, we, we, we set ourselves a target of giving away £5,000. And we just watched God do it. Now, it took us, I, I hoped we'd do it in a year. We did in about two, actually, in a, you know, gave away. That was a, a few years back. Um, and uh, I just want to release a gift of faith and generosity in this place right now. Do you have this gift of generosity? Uh, and there's a gift of faith. Whoops, there you go. <laughs> Why am I talking about this? Because I think we've got an amazing work ahead of us and I want to see heaven released on earth. And if we don't tackle this issue, I don't think we're going to ever get it done. I, I don't want God to say, well, I would have done it for you. I'm desperate to see more of heaven released on earth. I want the floodgates opened. And I want you to see that in your life. And I wouldn't be serving you if I didn't talk about this. So I want you to stand again because I want to release. You've got the anointing around the mission. I want you to have an anointing around resources now. I want God to be able to release resources into your hands and then you to be wise stewards of it with a generous heart and being a cheerful giver. Now, what I want to say, if at the moment you're feeling scared and anxious about this, I want you to start to deal with that. Just say, God, I'm going to choose to trust you. Because there'll be some people who go, ooh, right now. Because money is something that causes you to get anxious. In fact, I want to break the stronghold of that in anybody's life that that's relevant. If money is a stronghold issue that causes anxiety. I want to break that right now in the name of Jesus. And I release faith into that space. And I release the peace of heaven to guard hearts and minds. I want you to brace the peace of God right now to guard your heart and mind in this area. He's he's an amazing father. He, He is a loving father. And I release the gift of generosity in this place. And I release wisdom. I release the gift of wisdom in this place right now. That we would steward our finances well. And here's another one. I want you to now start to think in terms of stewarding for increase. God wants to give you increase. Now, I've known this in my own life in the last uh, few years. Personally, and I won't go into it in great detail, but actually, you know, God wants to give you wisdom with regard to finances that will enable you to have an increase of your seed in your storehouse. Okay, I just feel that God's on this, right? He wants to give you, there's, there's a wisdom of stewardship and a generosity because that point on that promise that God wants to give you an in- increase of, st- of seed in your storehouse and that you then actually store it with a view to world mission and what you are going to resources you're going to release to feed the nations
Father, we pray that the nations will be changed. We embrace our mission and we embrace this journey. I want us to do this together. We embrace a corporate responsibility for the resources of our mission. I just want you to do that. I want you to take responsibility now in a shared way as a corporate responsibility for the resources that will make this mission possible on planet Earth. And I release the joy of heaven on you right now that you would be a cheerful giver. Hallelujah.